RPG for You and Me presents Neon Heat, a duet actual play podcast using the Savage Worlds rule set in our custom cyber fantasy setting. Thank you for joining us, and welcome back to Caldonics. Previously on Neon Heat, Athena and Pavi head to the mines against the direct command of Athena's grandfather. Despite the best efforts of Rotu Cyril, Athena manages to touch the main crystal and glean information about its state. Cyril attempts to detain them so they can't interfere further, but Athena and Pavi escape back to the spire where they're shuffled off to the emergency council meeting to be present for the tunnel siege planning. Athena manages to help her grandfather vote against the Alaricorp proposition to send more toppers into the city to replace those who were lost to the tunnels. Athena is ferried by Roth to his office, and she begins to confess some, not all, of her secrets. The camera rests on a lonely stretch of the Caldonix Bay, facing the cave wall. Water laps, the air is chill, and everything is dark as a dimly lit boat enters the frame from the right, dropping anchor as it pulls to a stop. We see Athena standing on the bow of the boat. Her eyes are raking over the water, looking for flashes of color below the surface. She flexes her hand. And as she does that, the exposed bracer on her arm bends with these small geometric patterns. Worried, gaunt, but focused. A far more stern expression than usual. Over her shoulder, we see the other members of the boat. Pavi and Tuka, the Aerocassian Nemo, and Arbiter Photius Roth. The camera tightens on Roth as his eyes narrow in Athena's direction, and we fall through a transition as black as his scales and re-enter the Arbiter's office hours prior. Athena is sitting in a chair in front of his large desk. Roth is wreathed in the orange glow of the quarry wall behind him in the otherwise dark office, focused on her, scraping one dagger-like obsidian claw into his desk. You saw Jex kill Joel and ran. Why? Why not tell anyone else? Why not come to me? I, I didn't know who was under the other cloaks. It could have been anybody. Still could be. Has Athena just given him a full explanation of what happened I there? figured, yeah, but she's going to tell it as we saw it in episode one, barring her current information. Right. So that's a lie. It's not an out-of-hand lie. I guess there's truth to it. Well, no, that is why she didn't tell him. Yes, that's why I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. that. Why not come back sooner? Being scared's probably not a good enough reason to say out loud but that's what it was. Why come back now? Pavi found me. She'd been looking. 
And I'd been sending her postcards. Because, you know. She didn't know for sure. They didn't say anything. She had a hunch. It was a good one. That one's a lie. An obscurement of the truth. So I'd like you to roll persuade. Four. Also four. And what have you found out since you've been back? Whew. Where to start on that one? If you want to take this opportunity to give bullet points of what she would tell Roth, or maybe even specific things she would not be telling Roth, however you want to handle that's fine. She does give him a blow-by-blow of what happened in season one regarding the eyes and the warehouse and all of the fog and how it relates to what's happening now. She also tells him about Harlan Troya. What about him? That she doesn't know if he's actually dead or not. Okay. Because she still doesn't know. Gotcha. Not for sure. Because, like, if he didn't leave an imprint on the island, she's not a psionic, but it sounds sketchy. I think as far as Silas, the reason Silas okayed her to come back on duty is because he'd been attacked by these purple-eyed assassins and he needed some sort of protection from them from an outside source because he couldn't trust people around him. Maybe that Zeev used to be in the ranks of the Wardens. She's not sure if that's a hundo percent true, but he used to be red and they're red, so... Okay. Where they found the barge... And that the guy who was piloting it got kidnapped after dreaming about eyes, all the kidnappings in the waterfront district, the yeah. diving club, okay. that kind of stuff. Maybe Zeeves. She doesn't know if it's a fixation with the shard, but that's where he attacked. It's where he worked. Maybe an issue of ego. That might be it, unless he asks more specifically. And how does that relate to Jex and Joel at all? I'm just waiting for more puzzle pieces to fall together. You never know when you're going to find it. I think Silas knows something, because his brain's a goddamn disaster. Explain. I mean, I'm not a psionic, but Zadal looked at it, and it's torn to bits. It's an open wound. And I don't know who else would have been able to get a a leg up on him. Alright, so you mentioned the warehouse, you mentioned Troya. So basically you've mentioned orange, red, and yellow so far? And you mentioned purple? I think so. Are you... Mentioning green, are you leaving that out? Might as well go for broke. Green too. Throw them all in. It's less for her to remember to lie about. Sure. And what do you tell them about that? That she saw some in the bubble and again in the water. And you think these eyes have something to do with what happened? All I know is Joel got dropped down a pit. And I don't know why. But I know Joel had green eyes. Roth's eyes narrow at that. And he is rolling his talons on the table. With just a steady clicking sound. Athena's trying to think about something other than how they would feel gouging into her. Because, you know, she's not really wearing any armor. True. And, uh, when did you manifest that headband of yours? A few months before I came back. Why wait so long? I didn't know how to do it. I mean, how did you make yours? Effort and necessity. Just worried about Silas? It's my job to worry about a lot of things. And, uh, do you believe that I was involved? Would you know if you were? His gaze sharpens at that. For maybe the first time in this conversation, moves away from you. Hmm. Rolls his fingers a few more times. Reese and Rasmus both have some kind of tamper in their brains. 
Silas tried to figure out Rasmus and sh it almost killed him, apparently. Or she did. He was very unclear about it. That catches him by surprise. So you're telling me that effectively our entire power structure has been compromised? Yeah. And what about your grandfather? How does he figure into all this, hmm? His brain's messed up, too. I feel like every other person I talk to has knowledge skips, and I don't know why they keep happening. I don't even know what's triggering them. It's either a bigger problem than you think it is, or else you just happen to know all the important pieces. I don't know which one's more worrying. Me either. I'm sorry I didn't come to you with this sooner, but as you can probably understand now, my worries seem to be founded very much in reality. She straightens up and is also drumming her fingers, maybe unconsciously mirroring. Well... What about that other project I gave you? You said your grandfather's brain is messed up, or he's been tampered with. You find out anything else? I feel like I'm going to find out a lot more very shortly. Do we know if he's left the building yet? I need to talk to him. I went to the mines before coming tonight, and uh, uh, I slapped the crystal, the big one, and I saw where the yellow's siphoning energy out. We need to shut it off. Just shut the valve. I don't know. I can't do it by myself, but he probably could. And we need to detain Rotu Cyril, probably also still here, for questioning as long as humanly possible. Not on criminal charges, just finding out what happened at the mines. I do not trust him. He'll listen to all of this. Relatively stoic. He pushes himself up out of his chair and begins to pace idly as he listens. He'll walk to the door, open the door. You can hear him giving instructions to someone standing outside, telling them to go find the curator and his entourage and ensure that they are kept in a secure location and not permitted to leave the spire. Nice. And then he'll come back. Anyway, run into anything else about these purple eyes? Seems like everything else has a place somewhere. Just purple-eyed assassins coming to kill the Oculus. I killed a lady with purple eyes before I came back to the city. Didn't really know about them before coming back. Is there any evidence that Olera Corp is involved in this? Evidence? I gotta mm. know if we're fighting on multiple fronts or if it's all coming from the same direction through smoke and mirrors. I mean, it'd be silly not to assume that Olera Corp's involved. The apartment that I was investigating belonged to the lady I killed on the surface, who was Alara Corp infiltrator. She was working for uh, Dietrich Strickland. He was a two-bit politician, drug lord. I was tracking him for a while. He was using the crystal husks to make a bunch of drugs on the surface, so I put a stop to that because doesn't belong to him. That's actually a lot of what I did on the surface. He inclines his head at that. So, you built up your own little empire, your own little network full of contacts, and now you're back. What now? You got any designs to bring your freelance military personnel down here? You know they already operate. We ain't stupid. I don't, I don't have any plans myself. They're just useful. Well, you see, you open this conversation by saying, what can Pantheon do for us? Sort of makes it sound like you pulling the strings unless I've severely misunderstood. 
No, you'd be correct. I just don't know what's needed. They're specialists, so... I would say, kill the higher-ups of Alaricorp. Get them out of here. Don't you think that's a bit dangerous? Of course it is. But you asked me. She nods her head, bobbles it back and forth a little bit like I don't know what I expected. My patience for diplomacy is nearly at its end. We are facing an incursion the likes of which we have never seen. Our people are trapped. Underground, underwater, somewhere. And we're gonna go get them back. But I want to know who put them there to begin with. And we ain't gonna let that happen again. So I'm through with nice words. Trying to work together. We got the means to live again. And that's all we ever needed. And now here we are. Stuck. Thanks, in great part, to your family. So, what can you do for the city? You can help free it. That's the plan. Guess we'll see which is more important to you. Your blood or your people. Don't forget where you came from. We all in this together. I never forgot. I ain't gonna trust the safety of our people to a bunch of mercenaries. Not right now, not this late. Worked pretty well at the lighthouse. I don't even know how many of them got out. We're already working on borrowed time. And I ain't gonna trust a bunch of random misfits. They can do their dirty work outside of our city, but not within. Not now. This conversation ain't done, Sedaris. I know. I appreciate you recognizing the greater good for what it is. I lost my arm for it. I'm willing to lose my life for it. I saw those people get taken. I have to help. Then let's get to work. No time like the present. So we find... Athena's squad poised and ready to dive off of the small barge drifting on the dark water where you know the cave entrance to be. We get a long shot of everybody gathering up their gear, the water sloshing and lapping against the side of the barge. In the background, we see several more barges drifting in with pacifiers filling nearly every available space. There are also many empty barges behind that standing ready to collect any citizens that can be rescued. Athena stands at the bow of the boat, bobbing up and down a little bit with the tide, and she says to Pavi, You ready? Let's go save everyone. I'll be right behind you. And I'll soak all the damage, <laughs> just for you. Pavi is holding a side satchel that she sets down onto the boat, opens up and you see that there are a number of implements inside which are in a second plastic looking bag like an interior liner mm. she is just making sure that everything's fastened and sealed up would it be bad if it got wet um it wouldn't be ideal wouldn't work as well probably probably not but you know technology's kind of volatile so <laughs> it might it just might not work the way i want it to and that would be bad is your speaker waterproof? She taps it on her little backpack strap. Listen, I don't build anything to be waterproof by default. It takes a little bit more engineering to do that. So the answer is no. I didn't have that much time in advance, but I'm hoping this fancy plastic lining is going to do the trick for me. So sometimes you just need a garbage bag. Yeah, 
He'd want for Z by the time we're done with him. Ugh. Well, maybe we can use the same one. Just save it, okay? Reduce, reuse. <laughs> Whatever you say. Athena's thinking to herself that she's really hoping that there isn't enough of him to take back in a bag. <laughs> there are a lot of people counting on us. Oh, I mean, there always are. They just don't know it. <laughs> right? Yeah, you're right. Just feels a bit different this time. More dire? Yeah. We're gonna find Rosia. You know that. I know that. She's still looking down into her bag, rummaging, but pauses. Starts to go a little bit more slowly. And she says, yeah. Pavi's hands tighten on the bag. And there's a creaking of leather and plastic. We're going to find her. We're going to find all of them. Athena puts her hand over Pavi's and gives her a really tight squeeze. She looks up to you and... Are you guys wearing your helmets right now? The visors are probably up. I'm imagining they're full helmets this time, but like with a front, you know what I mean? Pavi glances up to you and you see her yellow eyes gleam beneath the visor of her helmet. And she gives you a small nod. No pulling any punches this time. You know that you push a punch, right? (laughs) Shut up. She's just trying to make her laugh. Yeah, and she does. And she gives you a small sock on your shoulder. See, there you go. Just aim it at the Karnik. I'm going to get close enough to punch him. No, I will, though. Well, fight smart. Not the way you want to. It'll be as smart as I can in the moment. The smile in her eyes fades a little bit, and they flick past you to the others in the boat, and then she grabs you by the elbow and steers you towards the opposite end, away from everybody else. What's up? If Rollo's down there with us, you got to keep a lid on everything. Oh, I'm, I'm very aware. So... And she tightens her grip on your elbow a little bit and says, Don't lose control. I don't think I have yet. You haven't. I'm just saying. I'm very good friends. She looks a little confused at that. You know, with it. So we're working together. Sure, but I'm saying don't lose sight of why we're here when we're down there and things go wrong. Because they will. We're here to save everyone. I'm going to do my best. I know. I know you can do it. I wouldn't ask... Roth to come if I didn't think we could do it. She just nods. Pavi moves her hand from your elbow to your shoulder and gives you a squeeze. And I wouldn't have stuck with you if I thought you couldn't do it. I believe in you, Fina. Even though Anji says that's a bad bet. Anji cares about herself. That's what she thinks about. We don't have that luxury. So don't you worry what she thinks. Hardly am. <laughs> At a girl. My hand hurts. What'd you do to it? wiggles her shoulder that does not have the arm attached. Oh, like phantom pain. That's what Roja said. It'll keep me sharp. Real sharp. Yeah. Pavi looks like she's about to say something else, but the large hulking figure of the Cassian Nemo takes several stomping steps over to the two of you and says, It is time to go. We can delay no longer. Let's get to it then. With one final signal from Roth, you all dive into the icy black water, following the directions of the scouting report that had been presented to you hours earlier. The camera follows Athena from the top down as she jumps into the water feet first. The water swirls and bubbles around the lens as we watch it become still, a rich brown with steam arcing off in lazy tendrils, and the camera pulls out to frame a mug of coffee on the task force room table. The table is laden with maps and battle markers. Athena's hand comes in from just out of frame to grab the mug. There's a ring left on the table with no coaster to save it. 
you had asked Thalassica to contract some agents to look for the tunnel entrance where Zeev was going to be. Did anything come of that? Would you like to roll for it? Hmm, I would. What am I rolling? D8, notice. I blew up my eight. Fourteen. How would you get this information? Probably through Gene. I think that makes sense. If he hooked back up again, because I think Rebexy would not still have her link. Mm -mm. During the several remaining hours before you guys take action, Gene Lepaco shows up when you guys are just doing planning, and he has a sheaf of scribble shroom paper mm -hmm. and holds it out with a wary glance over to Roth, who looks over in his direction. Uh, here's that uh that thing that you said that someone's gonna bring. Oh. Yeah, I hope it's what you're looking for. Yeah, me too. She says very brusquely. <laughs> it's basically the contents of the scouting mission from the agents that you had hired to go diving and look for alternate entrances to the cave network. Nice. Which you had an idea of where everything was, mm -hmm. but you were looking for like a backdoor type of thing, yeah. right? Okay. You rolled quite high for them. So I think the paper is part map, part description, and maybe it's a couple of papers. There is one clearly outlined main cavern entrance that you would guess is where the majority of the population had been funneled. Mm -hmm. And they found a number of side passages, several of which end in dead ends or don't seem to head in the right direction, but one that seems like it might snake back around. With that high of a roll, they also inform you that the passage they found in particular does not have the mist, at least as far as they've, like, Whew. traveled up. Okay. That's good. She just spreads that out on the table in front of Roth. We have a clear path. Good. That's what I like to hear. But I'm willing to bet there'll be a few surprises, because when aren't there? Expect the unexpected. At Roth's words, the lights in the room dim and we find ourselves in the biting waters of the bay, a wide shot tracking the team as they descend at a rapid pace with the aid of small propulsion motors that illuminate the figures as they go. Athena's with Pavi, sharing one motor. Athena has her arm wrapped around Pavi's waist with a little makeshift metal ring from her bracer to make sure her torso is held in place in these buffeting waters. It's dark, it's cold, and the knowledge that your quarry cycle is somewhere beneath you reminds you that it's better to swim than sink. The motor of your water scooters hums and you can feel it pulling the water through itself and propelling you forward. The front of your water scooters have flashlights that you can use to navigate through the depths. The last time you were in the water was when your barge was downed here, and the time before that was when you had been exploded. How does Athena feel in this cold water with that similar sensation? She feels very poorly about it, but especially so now that she knows that some malignant green entity lives down here as well. She's making very nervous eyes through her helmet, flicking them around, looking for anything. I'm not going to make you roll to locate the entrance because the roll for searching was, was so good. high that I think we can just bypass that entirely. Nice. As you make your way deeper into the water and you notice the rocks forming into a dark tunnel entrance, I would like you to make me a notice roll at minus two. Minus two. Nah, didn't do it. In stark contrast 
to the cold water around you, you feel the heat of your circlet on your forehead begin to pulse slightly. Her grip on Pavi tightens because she's figuring she's hearing something. That Athena's hearing something? No, the Pavi is because hers are attached to her ears. Gotcha. Pavi doesn't react. Hmm. What does it feel like? It feels like somebody's knocking. You felt this plenty of times before in one way or another. Does it feel like in the bubble? At this point, I don't think you can differentiate. Whenever there's some form of mental intrusion, it feels the same. You can't tell how somebody is trying to do that. So she can't ascertain whether it's a violent intrusion or a friendly intrusion? I think you can tell that, but you can't tell, like, who it is that's knocking on the door. No, right. Somebody's knocking on the door. They're not trying to slam it down with a battering ram. She secures herself with the metal, makes sure it's nice and tight. So if she cocks out, but she lets it down for just a millisecond, see if she can hear anything. The familiar echoing chorus of voices reverberates in your mind. Beware the hunter. hunter. Strike now. Kumitama. She sends back a mental picture of Zeev. I assume she's at this point found a picture of him or in a file or something. Yeah, I think you can probably piece together a reasonable image. What she's coming to figure out is that these things do a lot better with visuals than with <laughs> thoughts. That's fair. Usurper, usurper, usurper. Maybe she flickers red eyes over his and then yellow. Usurper. usurper. She conjures up a mental image of Halarishi. Halarishi? To get a gauge on how they feel about Halarishi, because she knows how Halarishi feels about them. You feel an overwhelming sadness. Lost. Lost. Some of that sadness clings to her in her bones. Lost. 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 Athena, make a spirit roll. I would love to. No modifiers. That's a 19. Damn. As you feel the foreign presence in your mind, you feel Vi stir somewhere within, and there's a heavy seed of panic and confusion. How do you keep that together? tamp it down or contain it. She knows that Vi reacts in some capacity to her own emotional state. Maybe if she just radiates a feeling of calmness, maybe it'll latch on to it. Sure. And you put out positive vibes and just like, everything's cool. It's cool. It's cool. Based on your role, it's received very well. The feeling you get back is maybe like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Athena's used to making that noise herself, so I think she would recognize it coming from another. It's uncertain acceptance of the status quo, if Mm. nothing else. Athena, having gotten some reaction from imagining faces to this thing, she wants to flicker a couple more for a gut reaction from the green. First one would be Silas, flickering on and off green in his eyes. When you put Silas's face up, it says the same thing. There's maybe a sadder connotation to it, if even such a thing can be determined. Huh. She wants to flash Joel, but I think the kind eyes that she remembers keep flickering with green now, too. When you present Joel's image and you flicker the green eyes, there's a pause before it responds. Master, deceiver, betrayer. And the image that you had presented is consumed by orange light 
that explodes outwards. There's a more heated energy behind the response. We see Athena's eyes through her visor widen and her brows knit because she didn't really know what she was going to get, but it wasn't that. She pops up one of Jack's with his orange glasses from the incinerator room because that's always how she remembers him now. When you put up the image of Jex with the orange eyes, the previous image of Joel with the orange light that had consumed the image, it's like the two images are combined. The orange light that had exploded outwards recedes again and is sucked back into the orange glasses that you imagined, and then it's that image of Jex standing behind Joel, who now has the green eyes again. A final response of... Betrayer. Betrayer. Ooh. I mean, she's inclined to agree, but what does it think about Roth? When you present the image of Roth after that, the connection is tenuous and breaking off. Now, strike now, Kumitama. Hmm. Well, she got a lot more than she had, so... Fair enough. You know what? Sometimes, sometimes you gotta take what you can get. <laughs> and she shuts the door. You put your mental barriers back up. You feel that stirring from Vi deep within. A similar esoteric concern or dread. She says to Vi, I'm gonna need you. I've got a helmet, so my eyes can be purple, but maybe not, you know, the fire. And she pictures herself with both side by side, but puffs away the one with the shadow mask. Gotcha. There's a at least tentative confirmation or acknowledgement. She wants to see if she can find any of those yellow energy tethers, like at the shard during that fight when she saw all the yellow and red arcing around in the sky when she had her purple vision on. You get just the faintest traces of that yellow energy in the direction that you're going. A trail long cold. If you are tracking something, this is not a fresh trail. Leads deeper into this dark tunnel. And as you guys continue to propel yourself forward, it twists and it turns and it takes you a couple of minutes of navigating through this tunnel. But there's no challenge to this. You're just following the directions that you were given. As you and your group speed your way through the dark, dank tunnel, I would like you to make me a spirit roll for your claustrophobia hindrance. It is a hindrance. I'm going to say this is at a minus two because you're both underwater and in the dark and in a tunnel. There's a lot of factors. It's an 11. An 11. Okay, that's quite Whew. good. What about this situation allows you to completely sideline this hindrance? It's that she's literally side-hugging Pavi. She's right there. She's got her. She's steadying influence on Athena's batshit life. I like it. Eventually, you break through the surface of the water into a small rocky shore in a tunnel that's probably 10 feet wide, 10 to 15 feet tall, leads forward and bends immediately, winding out of sight up a small incline. But everybody surfaces here and there's enough room for you all to gather and drop your things and get your bearings before anything else happens. There's no light here except for what is being cast by your water scooters. Athena drags herself out of the water, clasps arms with Tuka to help her on out, and then helping Pavi out after. Shakes her arm off, splatters the ground with a bunch of droplets, still unaccustomed to the heavier fit of her new armor. The water sloshes quietly. One bob of the still-settling water bounces the headlight directly into the camera in a flash of white, 
over which an eraser is hastily pulled across frame. The frame pulls back to show Athena in front of the Task Force whiteboard, scribbling more notes onto a relatively fresh section as a man enters the room with a knock. You called, Regulator? How can we be equipped for a tunnel siege? Man, it's been a long time since we've seen Rick's Dune. Yeah. He's a ruddy-skinned human man, probably in his 40s or 50s. He's got dark salt-and-pepper hair, glasses perched on his nose, sometimes smoking a pipe. He is the quartermaster for regulation, so he is in charge of outfitting and things like that. And he does have one robotic arm. And that's something else you wanted to talk to him about. But first things first, armor. Well, it's not really my area of expertise. Probably be better off speaking with a Cassian. My guess would be you're not going to find yourself going up against any ballistic weaponry or energy-based projectiles. If that's the case, then extra armor plating won't do you any good there. But you might run into more mundane threats. Creatures roaming the tunnels. Armor would certainly help against that. You want something flexible, especially if you need to swim down there. But uh, you know what you're up against better than I do. So if you give me guidelines, I can make recommendations. Do we have pacifier clearances for this mission, Arbiter? Out of character asking you, what are you looking for? What uh, are you she's trying looking to get? for durable armor, mm-hmm. but also helmets with dark vision would be cool. Also, if they have helmets on, it might confuse any scouts. Okay. Some mystique would be good. So you can have dark vision or infravision. You can't have both. That's a limitation that I'm applying. I had thought about one versus the other, and I think I decided on dark vision because mist wouldn't have a heat signature. That was my reasoning. It's up to you. Well, your run-of-the-mill body armor is good protection, still allows flexibility, range of motion, or you could go with something a little bit heavier, more of a combat armor. It's got more armor, but it's going to weigh you down more. Depends on if you want to be mobile or if you want to be safe. You know your style better than I do. A lot of my movement is Cory based so I don't know how much that would affect me personally. We don't need power armor or anything, but I think we do need to be defended from claws and fangs and... Mist. So I'll tell you, out of character, I'm going to use the stats for modern armor instead of futuristic armor. Okay. Just because I think it's more realistic for what we're doing here. You're probably looking at plus four body armor, which would be a Kevlar vest. What's your strength? D6. D6, okay. It's going to be a little bit heavier than what you're used to, but... uh... Would I be able to get the one sleeve pinned inside? Sure. I just... Make quick modifications. That seems doable. I just don't want to be able to have something grab a loose sleeve. That seems like a bad idea. Easy enough. We should, uh... We should talk about that. When I get back... When you get back. She says with a nod that's more sure than she's feeling. He pats you on the shoulder and gives you a reassuring wink. Much saucier than before. <laughs> it's a fatherly wink. Ah. If there's anybody who can make it out of that mess, I believe it to be you. Thank you. We're all counting on you. Uh-huh. She says, sounding exactly how she sounded. <laughs> Rex will take your specifications and measurements and he'll go to retrieve a new suit of armor for you. And I think it looks very similar to your wingsuit, Mm -hmm. but obviously it isn't a wingsuit. It's a little beefier. It's a little bit beefier, a little bit chunkier. It has like those boys, what are these, pauldrons? If you want to have pauldrons, it can have pauldrons. I think it'll look cool. Well, you're going to have to draw it, so this is up to you. I'm going to put pauldrons on it. All right. Do you still keep your second pauldron? No, probably not. Okay. 
Well, Clum I guess it depends how it attaches. Clumps it. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> it's her body type. <laughs> and strife. That's her life type. It is her life type. We see Athena and Rex continue to talk, but we focus in on Athena's hand, nervously rubbing her thumb on her clenched fingers like a worry stone. And we fade to a very similarly framed shot just minutes in the future as Athena is still nervously rubbing her fingers together, this time surrounded by her entire team in the task force room. Your team is made up of Athena, Roth, Pavi, Tuka, and the newcomer Nemo. Who does not fit on the couch. It won't stop him from maybe trying if he thinks he can fit. Otherwise, he will stand aside. Okay, yeah. Nemo is inscrutable because he's Arrow and... You have no experience in dealing with him. He stands mostly still. He does chime in with a question here or there. Otherwise, he seems quite reserved. She would ask him for any advice, any equipment that they should be bringing that they don't want to be caught flat-footed without. I have not been down these tunnels before. I do not know what we will find. Different sections of the cave network hold different types of creatures. We will need something to make light. Fire is never a bad idea. Many creatures are not used to seeing light. Oh, that's something that had not occurred to me. It can be used to blind them. It can be used to frighten them away. But it can also be a beacon that leads them to us. That's more what I was concerned about. It is good to have as a reserve option. So fire, not explosives. Yes. Understood. We should be quick, but not in a hurry. Footing can be uncertain, and keep your eyes and ears open. You never know where something will come from. These tunnels can change. There are creatures that burrow. This is their home, not ours. You have to respect them for that. Everybody's got to live somewhere. Yes. Tuka and Pavi have very similar expressions. They're both focused and intent on what is happening. You can definitely tell that Pavi is more on edge than Tuka is, though. Mm -hmm. What I will also tell you out of character at this point, maybe I should have told you this a while ago, I thought it would be cool if one of Pavi's advances was the new powers ability to oh. represent that she's been tinkering and improving stuff like that. I like that. I did not pick anything out, though. So I was kind of thinking if you had an idea for something that Pavi had been working on that you would like her to have and bring with her, that's an option. Oh, what if she has blind? Sure. Maybe she built it into her tonfas. So when she's charging him up and she clacks him together, it makes a light burst. Ooh, that's cool. I like that. Okay. That'd be neat. She could take blind. That's cool. one power. Shouldn't have to have two, but you know. That one for sure. I'll have to get back to you on the that's second fine. one. How's Roth looking through the scene? Roth is determined. He's all business. Is Lopaco still there? I mean, if, if there was a purpose for him to serve being present, maybe, but otherwise he's not part of this mission, so mm -hmm. he's not going with you. And they might assign him elsewhere to that effect. Gotcha. So. As the group is looking at the maps and the plans and all the new gear on the table, Athena walks over to Jean. Can you let her know I'll need to see Hermes when I'm back? He'll give you a nod. I'll pass along the message. Thank you. Be careful. But we're planning so good. <laughs> I know that's your strong point. That's why I've involved others. <laughs> I know. Thanks for everything. Yeah. You can do this. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I feel like she's feeling good in her new armor, though. She shakes it out a little bit. Everybody shrugs into their new armor. Pavi has a satchel 
slung over her shoulder just to carry some extra gear for you guys. A couple bits and bobs, some spare quarry husks. Never know what you're going to need them for. Yeah. Tuka has a lot of weaponry stashed everywhere. A lot of hilts for quarry-based weapons. Her telescoping halberd, the sword hilt, and probably one or two physical real blades too, because you can't always count on quarry stuff to work. Athena feels very underprepared with her double bracer winding up one arm, but that's all she got. Nemo is kind of in the same boat as you. He's wearing armor. It's not quite as bulky as yours, and he doesn't seem to be carrying much in the way of extra gear with him. She walks over to him and wiggles her bracers into a shield. Any tips? I don't know how much time we have to improve this form of yours. Well, bullet points, you know. Ah, you want to keep the bullets away from you. (laughs) 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 I'm joking, I'm joking. I know. He takes a step or two away from you and holds both of his arms out, and his form is this coiled, wiry muscle, and he holds both arms out to the side, classic wrestler stance, flexes his hands, and the plating around his forearms springs out into these enormous, round, domed shields. So cool. And he can just, I mean, you've seen him use these before, so he can easily swivel his arms to cover a huge percentage of his body at any given time. If we are overrun then the shield is the first line of defense. We take the front. We keep the others safe in the back. Good plan. She makes hers. It's normally a flat circle for her, but she shakes it and it pops out into a dome like his. And it makes a gong. Yeah, this is good. I don't know. I didn't think of it before. The shield is one of the best weapons. It is multifaceted. You can use it for many things. Don't be afraid to use it to batter away. Shove, push, knock things aside. Sometimes... It's about escaping and surviving. Don't I know it. She says as a joke to herself. (laughs) I know you don't have quite the range that I do, but... To demonstrate, he takes one of his arms and shoots it outward, and it extends like a coil of his wire, and he swings it around. Flutters some pamphlets taped to the walls. (laughs) (laughs) That's great, I like that. Almost like a yo-yo, it comes right back to him with a... She's like, maybe my new arm can do that. Listen... I'm not going to tell you what to do. I don't want to infringe on your copyrights. He gives you a long look and says, Mr. Knuckles. Good. This is my image. You can use it, but... I'd never use it in the shard. Not in the ring. No, never. Only to survive. (laughs) We will be okay. I hope. He holds himself with purpose. When you get out of the water, Roth is eyeing you pointedly. She's got her helmet on and stuff, so... Sure. Looks over at him, shakes off her arm, getting all the water. You getting anything yet? Are you? No. Athena sees Tuka shivering at all, because they came out of cold water, and it's probably a damp and cold tunnel. Is your armor warm enough? Are you going to be okay? Well, she says, with an effort to not make her teeth chatter. The water's cold, and now I'm cold, and it's cold in here, so... I'll be fine. You can see her salamandery skin ripple a little bit, and she gives herself a shake, and her head tendrils shake like the arms of an anemone (laughs) and spray little droplets off. (laughs) Could Athena do, like, an essence check to see if she could spend a quarry point to warm her up or dry her off? Sure, I think that's thematically interesting. How would you do it? 
She can make fire, so it's probably not a stretch to say that her hand can get warm. Okay. Go ahead and make me a roll. How much is it going to cost me? I think it's thematic flavoring, so I'm fine with it being one. Or whatever the cost of your flame trapping power is. So if it's burst, uh, I think it's, it's burst, two. So that's two. So I'll say it's two. Uh, I got a nine. Give you Benny for being a buddy. Athena rubs her palm on her thigh really quick, and her palm is glowing. Not red hot, but warmer. And we see her touch Tuka's shoulder, and it just steams off all the water oh. as it goes in a, in a little wave. Oh, it's like getting in a hot bath. It won't last for long, but, you know, whatever helps. Well, I appreciate it, but you better save your strength, because we all don't need it. She shakes her hand and blows the steam off. <laughs> <laughs> all right, show off. I just have to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. Tuka spends a moment or two double-checking that she hasn't lost anything in the water. We cut to hours earlier as Athena and her team reconvene in the task force room. Athena looking at the clock, back to the papers on the table, waiting for Zadal. But Zadal doesn't show. That's disappointing, but not surprising. They need a psionic. Athena had a thought. There's really only one person she would be comfortable letting into her brain, and that would be Rebexi. Because she also has a hard line into every bit of information in the spire if they need it. Are that you- just makes sense to her. How are you presenting this idea? Like, is this, are you including Roth in this? Is this just supposed to be for Athena and crew? It's for everyone because she wants them to do spot checks. So if somebody goes dark, they know it immediately. Mm-hmm. Something might get stolen. They don't even hear it. She doesn't know anything about the tunnel. She's never been down there, except that it's perilous. She just brings it up casually because it's already been discussed. Okay. That they need a psionic and she would like it to be, if not Rebexi, someone close at hand by her because she has all the info and all the people she can contact. Roth blinks at you and narrows his eyes a little bit and says, I don't think she's a psionic seduce. Are you sure? He stares at you quizzically for a moment longer and says, well, now I'm not. Mm, Good. (laughs) Fuck that all to bits. (laughs) Dumb. That was dumb. Well, by all means, go and ask her. Otherwise, we got Inquisitors standing by. I just thought it would make sense because she can get us whoever we need at the drop of a hat, even if she's not hooked up. That would be mighty convenient. Yes. So I'll... Am I allowed? She asks very pointedly. Oh, I think I'll come with you. Wonderful. So you guys take another quiet elevator ride back down to the main floor where Rebexi is manning her battle station. This episode could be called Athena Ruins Everything. It could be. It's a popular title to compete with on most days. Yeah. Rebexi is, maybe for the first time, not completely swarmed by people. Maybe they got her some help who are heading off citizens and moving people around, and she's just hard at work at her desk. Looks up as you and Roth draw near. She perks up when she sees you and then looks a little more confused when she sees Roth. Uh, Rebexi, do you know what we're doing today? I know there's like a big operation going on, but I wasn't involved in the planning. Uh, yeah, you are now. Oh. I know we were talking the other day about psionics. She lies. <laughs> it would be a very good for our tunnel livelihood if we could have a link, you know, somewhere in the spire with access to information we might not otherwise have. Sure. Who are you thinking? Do you have any recommendations? Roth steps up and says... Regulator Sedaris was kind enough to offer your services, Ms. Rebexi. There's a long beat as Rebexi stares at you and then at Roth. 
Oh, um, of course, if, uh, if I could be of help, I'm happy to do so, but I'm really not a very powerful psionic, you know? But who would you recommend? Let me pull up my list. I mean, I was waiting for Zidal, but he's not here. I don't think he's going to make it in time. Hmm. Where could he be, I wonder? I don't know. Rebexi moves to her keyboard and is typing and pulling up lists. Casts a sidelong glance at you. Athena's not looking at her. She's looking at the flowers she made her mm-hmm. and praying it doesn't wilt, you know, symbolically. <laughs> sure. I'll openly tell you that Rebexi will recommend almost anybody else at this point over her because you just outed her as being a psionic. But I mean, like, anybody can do anything, right? That's true, yeah. Anybody Rebexi wants to give them is cool. Okay. If Rebexi doesn't want to do it. Yeah, she definitely does not want to do cool. this. Cool. Anybody um, else, then, that she trusts? She'll pull a name from the Inquisitor selection of people who are on duty. And Roth will say, Oh, yes, I suppose they'll do fine, but you came highly recommended by Regulator Sedaris. She just R- mentioned it. Well, I don't doubt that she would have mentioned it, but why would you think Ms. Rebexi, our receptionist, would be poised to be the best psionic link when we got a whole building full of Inquisitors? Maybe not best psionic link, but best information tether. Make me a persuasion. God. <laughs> it's not going to go well. <laughs> or maybe she got a five. Okay. I'll let that stand. Whew. I didn't say it was going to be an opposed roll. That's a fair point. Maybe we have them located right here with Rebexy the whole time. They can link themselves up. That way it don't strain it too much. Wonderful. She says, looking at the clock, trying to figure out how much fucking time they have left. The last thing she does when she's pretty sure Zadal is not coming is she sits down while everybody else is getting into their armor and she frantically writes out a note to give to Jean. We can see her lips moving as she's scribbling and we start to hear her voice as the words scratch onto the paper. Zadal, I'm real sorry I broke in last night. I was worried and I know you said you were doing an overtime shift but we couldn't find you and I... I know I shouldn't have. I gave you a key, but you didn't give me one, so I should have respected that. I don't know how much you remember, but Lopaco's definitely around and he can fill you in. We're going into the tunnels. Probably already there by the time you read this. It's a bad idea, but if we don't stop him, I don't even know. I'm just... I'm scared. We're going in with a Cassian Nemo. He's going to the alloy for a brain blocker augment and I know it's a it's an option for you but it's a dangerous one I think so last resort Pavi and I went to the mines it was also a bad idea there's a fuck there named Rotu Cyril do not trust him he's an Alaricorp mole at the very least I touched the crystal it's it's crazy at all it's like it was alive I think it is alive I saw where it got hurt, and I saw where Zeev has a back door to it, and Vi thought it was amazing. But it is, so I can't blame them. I wish I could just tell you all this in person. My handwriting's so bad. I hope you can read this. I don't know if I'm gonna make it back out of this one, but we have to try and get everybody back. What the fuck am I doing all this for? I wish we could have gone somewhere you wanted. Sorry the gallery was a bit out of your element. I sat here for a while trying to make a metal element joke, but I got nothing. Sorry. 
I don't know how to say this, so it's probably good that I'm writing it and not talking. I don't know a lot about you, but I know you're a good person and you just want to help and I, I tend to bottle stuff up and try to do stuff alone even when I know there's people around who love me and want to help and I think I think we're kind of similar that way maybe from what I can tell you've been going at it alone for a while probably since Aunt G I haven't asked I didn't want to make you sad but I get it it's sometimes it's so much easier to be alone and not bothered and I I know <laughs> I get it but you've helped me so much even though I kind of ruined your life or at least your chance at a normal one I want to help you however you need please be safe Athena Athena straightens up and she looks at the pen ink stain on the flat of her hand with a small little frown before handing the note off to Jean can you please if it all shows up can you give this to him yeah of course I'll make sure he gets it uh, I'll see if I can round him up. Oh, don't try too hard, she says with a little smile, but there's not a lot behind it right now. With a snap transition, we leave the warmth of the spire and re-enter the chill, dank tunnels that they've just arrived in. A voice rings out in your mind. Sound off. This voice, unfamiliar to the audience, has become passingly familiar to Athena after the sound checkpoints have been issued several times a minute inside the heads of her entire party. The group gets into their marching order. Nemo in front, followed by Athena, Pavi, Roth bringing up the rear, and Athena wants Tuka on the ceiling as a stealth striker, as camouflaged as she can be. The Inquisitor checks in, they report back. Sure. So if anybody doesn't report back, shit's probably going to pop off. Okay, makes sense. Is the general plan. Sounds good. And she starts leaving pebbles. The little uh, UV the little pebbles. UV pebbles, that's fun. I'll give you a Benny for your creative planning and how you've approached this. Thank you. You're She's welcome. using her noodle. <laughs> trying to. She's a lot of pasta. This tunnel that you begin to trudge your way through, it's pitch black. The sound is muffled, mostly silent. There's occasional dripping of water somewhere in the distance that echoes around you. Faint, faint rumbles further away. The smell, if you smell it through your helmet, it's damp, musty. There's a salty brine, like low tide at the pier hmm. in the waterfront. The air is sticky, got that same brine on it. It's cold. And if you take your helmet off and breathe, you're sure that you would see your breath here, which is a far cry from the more temperate climate of Caldonix. She's probably more used to this than anybody else here besides Nemo. Roth and Tuka specifically seem to be bristling a bit more at the cold. She pats Tuka on the back before heading out, gives her a nod. Don't worry, I got eyes on you. Two of them. Lots of no more show up. That's how my... Oh. <laughs> yeah. And she flickers with her active camouflage. So cool. Her mm -hmm. helmet's going to be so cute when I draw it because it's just going to be a little, <laughs> a little bubble. After 10 minutes, 15 minutes of walking through this tunnel, you can hear this vibrating buzz from somewhere. I don't know that you can pinpoint the location, 
but as you round a final bend, the tunnel opens up into a significantly larger cavern. There is a rocky expanse that serves as a bridge going from one side to the other over a massive crevasse. Empty black darkness beneath you. You can hear running water somewhere below, and there's a perpetual mist that is being kicked up. Not a fog like you had expected, but maybe something from a waterfall. Hmm. And you can hear water splashing far below. But that sound is distinct from the buzzing that you hear, which sounds like it's coming from up ahead on the opposite side of this bridge. Athena doesn't want to make a noise and reaches out and says, Nemo, you got anything on that? You want to make a roll for Nemo? Yeah, what's his, uh, what am I rolling? Is he a wild card? Yeah, he's a wild card wasn't sure. I mean, I figured he's so beefy, but... Let's actually talk about companion stuff right now. I'm gonna institute companion buddy actions. actions. Buddy actions. So, either during combat situations or during dramatic tasks or something, assume that, at the very least, it'll be you and one of your buddies acting per turn. We'll see how the balance works out if the situation calls for it. Otherwise, your buddies have a pool of three bennies between all of them. It's either going to be three bennies for all of them, or they each get one. This is going to be common knowledge. Give them a d6 and don't give them any modifiers. Okay, but a wild die as well? Yeah. Three. You want to stick with that, or do you want to use one of your buddy bennies? Uh, I want to save that for combat. Okay. Nemo comes to a stop at the edge of the expanse on your side of the bridge and pauses, quirking his head to one side. I I don't know. Could be a number of things, but it doesn't sound good. We got swarms down here? There could be, yes. Hard to say what. Usually some sort of crustacean or maybe insect. It's buzzing. What if... Pavi, can you make a low buzz? Maybe that would scare it off. With her gear? Yeah, like with her speaker. Speaker? Okay, yeah. She reaches into her duffel bag and produces the small speaker. I can try. Some sort of... A new reverse frequency? Can, can you take a sample? Um, sure. I'll, yeah, sure. We'll just hold position for now. Athena's standing by but slightly behind Nemo and trying to peer over the expanse to see how far down it goes. Because if she has dark vision, would she be able to see the whole way down? If you have dark vision, you reduce some penalties. You don't eliminate them entirely. So go ahead and make me a notice. Dark Sight as a power ignores up to four points of illumination penalties, so I think that's what you get. This is Pitch Darkness. That's at a minus six. So it'd still be minus two. So you'd be at minus two, yep. Let's see what we can do about that. Nine. What you can see is you probably can't see the bottom. You can see a distinct waterfall or a series of smaller waterfalls below you that the water is spewing out of, and there are a number of other crisscrossing rock-like bridges going across the gap that the water is splashing off of, and that's what's creating the mist that's drifting up. Do these bridges look shaped by a sentient force or just eaten away by an underwater river? Eaten away by an underwater river. Okay. The one that you guys are on is maybe a little bit more shaped, but it still looks Hmm. natural for the most part. This is where the divers were stashing cool stuff. Maybe. Maybe they find a windfall. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe she mutters to herself. <laughs> I'm gonna check my adventure cards. 
So your goal is to have Pavi use her sound to make some sort of disrupting sound that will scare away whatever is on the other side. Or at least make it off base. Go ahead and roll Pavi's synthesis. What is her synthesis die? I think it's bumped up to a D8 now. My Used my. to be a D6, but she's Pavi been put in more time. Ooh, Pavi. That's a 13. She spends probably two or three minutes just calibrating and playing with the speaker, and then she holds it up in the direction the sound is coming from, takes a recording of it, messes around a little bit more, and she says, it definitely sounds like maybe an insect or something like that. I think I can cook something up that'll make them not want to come near us at least. That'll have to do. I believe in you. Thanks. She nods emphatically from slightly ahead, still watching tunnels. Are we, uh... Are we going across the bridge, then? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I don't see any citizens laying around here, so... No. Onward. She hefts the speaker in front of her, flips a switch on the side, plays with a couple of dials. Is it metal? Maybe parts of it. Could Athena levitate it so Pavi can have her hands free, or does it require hands? I think it's her power and she's casting it. Gotcha. And the specific way that it's being utilized here demands that Pavi be in charge of it. That's okay. You never know. No, it's I, I like the outside of the box thinking, but I think Pavi needs to be the one in charge of this. I understand. So Pavi will lead the way across the bridge, holding the speaker in front of her. Everyone else at Athena's direction will follow behind. The noise gets louder and louder as you guys make your way across here. And maybe five to ten feet into the opposite tunnel on the other side of this crevasse, you can see shapes moving in the darkness. How big are they? Make me a notice at minus two because of the dark. Six. Six. It's a lot of little shapes. Like the walls and ceiling are moving. Everything is undulating, and this buzzing gets louder and louder until they actually enter your area of vision. They're basically like flightless grasshoppers. Oh. Each of them is probably the size of like a medium-sized turtle. I know that's a strange measuring point. No, like a soft-shell turtle? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. It's more specific than I was thinking, but... Soft-shell turtles are like a dinner plate. There you go. Dinner at least the one size. I saw at the zoo. Okay. <laughs> that one turtle. Yeah, they're about the size of dinner plates. Flightless grasshopper beetle-looking things. And as they're flicking around, Nemo gets his shields up and he says, They're called Kelewo. Dangerous in swarms like this. They vibrate at high frequencies. They're like little buzzsaws. Don't let them touch you. They can even cut through stone. Good to know. If Athena's learned anything about bugs on the surface is that they're generally very flammable. Probably safe to say. As they see you guys, they start to swarm closer, but Pavi's speaker is pulsing with that same beat, and they are reluctant to get closer than five or six feet. What we see here is they swarm around your group. Tuka drops from the ceiling into the middle of the group in a panic. Cause yeah, checks out. She oh, doesn't want to be up there. Damn, yeah, I'm staying up there. Falls onto you a little bit, but tries <laughs> not to knock but the swarm peels around your group and just fills the entire tunnel and ceiling. So everything that you can see in both directions now is just these things. But they're not coming into our bubble yet? Correct. Cool. The, the speaker is keeping them out, it seems. But the closer they get, you now see that there are these chains of sparks being cast in the darkness so that you see showers going off here and there as these things scrape against the stone. Oh, fuck. 
and they just make this chittering, whirring noise all around you. Poppy says, Ah, I think it's working for now, maybe. Louder, please. Okay. Let's make a break for the tunnel, and then we can siphon them in, and I can set them all on fire. Okay. I'm not going to make you guys roll for it, because you had a cool idea with the sound there. So yeah, you guys press forward. It's another two to three minute jog as you guys make your way through this tunnel and the the swarm just follows around you the whole way. I'm kind of imagining now it's like in Mass Effect 2 when you're on the suicide mission at the end and you're in the biotic dome with your chosen biotic, of course. uh, Very much like that. I didn't plan it this way, but that's this is (laughs) where we ended up. Hey, you know what they say? All roads lead to Mass Effect 2. The tunnel opens up ahead of you and seems to empty into a larger chamber again, and Pavi draws to a stop there and turns the speaker back around at your direction. What do you want me to do now? She's going to fire off a burst. Okay. Or maybe if it's, maybe a blast would be better to seal up the end of the tunnel. Big old ball of flames. Sure. And it might scare off the rest of them if they don't like light. So are you trying to collapse the tunnel? No, she just wants to burn the bugs. Because okay. fire is usually not an explosive on its own. True. So she wants to get as many of the bugs following them, hoping that they outstripped a bunch. The swarm is actively following you. Like it's around the sound barrier that's been created here. Okay. I didn't know if they could fit around the barrier as they were heading into the mouth. Go ahead and make me a group athletics roll. Okay. Let's roll one athletics check for everybody, and out of the five of you, I need three of you to pass it. Do you want me to roll Athena first? Yeah, go ahead. She got a d6 athletics. Five. Pavi also has a d6. You want to roll for Pavi? Yes. Four. Tuka probably has a d8. That checks out. She's very on the move. Five. Cool, and she actually probably would have gotten a you would oh, have gotten a plus fleet foot. Yeah, and you would have gotten a plus two for your runner thingy, wouldn't you? Uh I think free runner only works in cities. Okay. Nemo D eight athletics. He's a big guy. This is what he does. Seven. Seven and Roth, he's got a D eight as well. He's the arbiter, literally the arbiter. Four. Okay, wow, you guys all passed. So nice. We're still fresh. We're still yeah, fresh. Exactly, you're still <laughs> fresh. So a nice shot of this well-coordinated unit moving in unison following Pavi's speaker. Maybe she's even able to get up ahead using her... her oh, her le- jumpers. Her leg augmentations to jump further ahead to try to push the swarm back a little bit to buy you guys a little bit more time. And then she positions herself at the mouth of the cave and angles the speaker in such a way that they can't get past her. She stands there as you want to go about doing your stuff. Yeah, so Athena's going to wait till the last possible moment where all the bugs are closing in on the mouth of the tunnel. And then with an upward arc sets off a blast Go ahead with and... wizards mimicking it fire rather than lightning. Go ahead and roll me your essence. Seven. Seven is a success. No raise. Go ahead and roll your damage. Oh, fuck. Three. Three, yeah. That is not gonna... How about I Benny that? You can. Eight. Eight is enough to shake the swarm, but not enough to incinerate it. Well, as long as they're shaken. What I'll say here is that you have not destroyed the swarm in one go. You've shaken it. Swarms get plus two to recover from the shaken status. Oh, dang. Because they're swarms and there's so many of them. I am going to roll to unshake. Mm-hmm. Using... Oh, dang. D12 spirit. 
seven plus two is nine. So uh, yeah, your paltry damage incinerates some of these bugs, but they're just skittering and hissing back and forth, and you see more sparks flying off the lip of the cave. What I'm gonna do now is I'm gonna have them roll spirit at a minus four to see if they can break through the sound because okay. you've now openly attacked them and they don't want to let you go. That's fair. So here we go. You ready? Mm-hmm. They rolled a one. Huh. So, huh. so you watch some of these bugs go up in smoke, but you've barely scratched the swarm. She drops another UV pebble nervously. <laughs> <laughs> you can take many for that. I like that. <laughs> Roth says, I don't think that's working. It is not. We got a clear path. A path where? For the pacifiers to come through so they can get to us if we need them, you know, expediently. I don't think I'm going to do much against all that. I'm more of a tackle to big ones, you know. Yes, I'm not too good at smashing bugs. Some maybe, but not this many. Poppy says, hey, they really look like they want to follow us. Roth, got anything? Well, if you can't burn them up, we've got to collapse a tunnel or something. We can't collapse the tunnel, but the pacifiers can't get to us. Well, there ain't gonna be nothing to get to if we're all dead. God, she's got it made burst this time. It's up to you. Everybody's yelling in her brain. She just fires, literally. Go ahead and roll your burst. Are you using any kind of upcasts? More damage, now that she knows that they are a bit heftier. Okay. Here we go. Seven. Seven is a success, no raise. 3d6. Their toughness is seven. So if you want to burn them up, you need an 11. (laughs) Oh my God. I'm going to line these up for you. Holy shit. You got triple ones. Yep. You got three ones on 3d6. I sure did, Pickle. Literally the worst roll you could have made. This bodes well. You want to stick with that or you want to Benny it? There are no crit fails on damage. Yeah, thank God, because we'd all be eaten by bugs. <laughs> I mean, but what an unexpected end to a campaign. Yeah. I think we can agree. Thank you for your investment in Neon Heat, audience. More like Neon Eat. Because, you know, you can get devoured by bugs. I'll spend this Benny you give him back to me. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. I'll spend them all in one place. I gotta. There we go. Okay, so four, six, that's 10 plus 14. 14, that's enough. (sighs) How do you muster the energy to do it this time? What does this look like? She hears everybody in her head and it's so many more voices than are normally in her head squinting and trying to focus through it. And she spends just a second more focusing it. And it's almost like when we saw her protecting Pavi in the warehouse after she got downed and it's like a jet engine from her palm. Mm. So I think it starts blue, but then red as it gets to the bugs. Very nice. And we hear them sizzling and crackling and they smell okay. point of view from Athena as she's charging up this attack and we see the bugs spiraling through the tunnel dragging their claws and making this corkscrew of sparks shooting off in every direction bits of rock tumbling to the ground and skittering past you the whoosh of fire as it bursts forward and chars them all to cinders and there's more of the skittering scuttle noise we see the charred remains falling from the roof of the tunnel until they all collapse in a smoldering heap. Pavi, still holding her speaker, sags a little bit with the effort and says, I hate bugs. 
Athena does not slouch. She stands up a little bit straighter and cracks her shoulder blades together to kind of work out that tension that's now in her arm from the cast. Mm-hmm. She checks in with the Inquisitor and says, let the pacifiers know there are some weird bugs with chainsaw arms. I think I got most of them, but... Acknowledged. They were around the first bridge. Understood. She turns around with her hand on her hip, ready to get on the move. Luckily, while this chamber is slightly larger, there is no easy way to continue forward except for one main tunnel. Again, your path appears to just be forward. Can you roll me a notice? I think I want to Benny that. Okay. I'm going to run out of these soon. Five. In the relative silence of this cavern, you can both hear and feel that faint rumbling that you felt earlier in the tunnel, but it's not quite as faint anymore. Every so often, there is a jarring vibration that rushes through the ground, great booms somewhere in the distance. With a success, you can also faintly hear voices. Oh, shit. There are people up ahead. Something's talking. What are we waiting for? We're pretty quiet so far, so they might not know we're here yet. So let's keep it that way. So you're advancing with caution? Yeah. She flicks her chin up from Tuka to the ceiling. Yeah, yeah, I know. Bobs her head like, I know. (laughs) You can see her blurred image scuttling up the side of the tunnel until she's hanging directly over you. Because Athena remembers in the lighthouse seeing Tuka just skewer fuckers from invisibility, and it was amazing and extremely useful. Sure. So it'd really be a shame not to do that again. And just to clarify, Tuka has camouflage, which definitely makes her harder to see, but it is nowhere. It's not true invisibility. It's not true invisibility. But it is dark down here. Yeah, that's true. That's kind of what Athena's thinking. But just to be clear, she's not fully invisible. Right. Okay, you want to make me a group stealth roll. Just for simplicity, make me three rolls, one of which is Athena, and I'll let you pick two other friends to help out with this. Okay, Pavi is not stealthy, so I do not need her to help on this one. I'll roll Athena first, though. Go for it. Nine. Okay, that's pretty good. I would like Tuka. Tuka, okay. Tuka has a D8 stealth. Same as me. Five. Okay. And probably Roth. Okay, Roth has a D6. Mm, bad Roth. As they march down the tunnel, Athena's making eye lines for the sides of the tunnel, looking for Cory veins running through it and for any yellow flickers, literally anything. And she's trying so hard to stay focused, but she keeps thinking about her grandfather. We can see her eyes flicking back and forth under her helmet visor. And as she squints off to the side, she fades back into her clothes from earlier at the spire in Roth's office again, watching him pace. I'll also note that during this time, Roth is not going to permit Athena to go and speak to her grandfather. Mm. If she tries to do that, you're going to have to think of a tricksy way to do it because he's keeping you within his sights basically at all times. Checks with out. small exceptions. Like he might allow you to go into a corner and talk to Jean, but he's not going to let you go off and do anything right now. So... I mean, could she talk to him with Roth present? Grandfather? Yeah. No, he's not wasting time on your grandfather right now. He is he is focused on planning. I will speak in a meta capacity right now. You've dropped a huge bombshell on Roth. Mm-hmm. He, he knew something was up with you, but didn't know what. You've dropped a huge bombshell on him. He knows that your grandfather is involved. He knows something is going on at the mines, but not what. 
he is mostly focused on getting the people back. So, I mean, if you want to make some sort of argument to Roth that it's important to go and speak with or interrogate your grandfather to get information that would be helpful here, then I would allow you to present that case, but his default motivation is he still doesn't fully trust you, mm-hmm. obviously, and he definitely doesn't trust your grandfather, and he knows that it's your grandfather, so you want to protect him. So that's where you're at. She would lobby for any kind of, like, she has to talk to him about the crystal. She's gotta. Okay. Or they're fucked. G- give me your argument. I do need to talk to him. I know you don't want that, obviously. But we have to shut off whatever's... We we have to shut off access to the crystal, and he knows... He, he's got... I gotta tell him where it is. So you think there's some sort of open link they can tap into? Is that it? That has to be it. I know I didn't finish my siphon training, but I felt it. Go ahead and make a persuade. Yeah. Bad. Spend one Benny. Okay. It's important. Four. No running low on time. All right, fine. But I'm going with you. We ain't wasting more time than we gotta. No. Roth will discover, you know, where they're keeping Darius. Mm-hmm. I think it's probably simplest to just say it's the council chamber. So Makes they sense. Just haven't let him or Cyril move from the council chamber. So you guys take another relatively silent elevator ride up to the top of the spire against the ceiling of the cavern. There are two pacifiers still standing by the door. They salute Roth as he comes by, open the door for him, and we find inside the council chamber Darius. He's staring out that big window down onto the city below. Rotu Cyril is seated in Darius's throne for the council. She doesn't like that. Has one leg crossed over the other bouncing the leg up and down, and they both turn as the door opens and the two of you walk in. Roth allows you to walk forward and just looms behind you. That's the kind of presence she requires right now. She shoots Cyril the dirtiest fucking look. So absolutely scathing, not even masked one bit. Can I roll an intimidation? Yeah, please. Because I'll tell you what, I got a D8 in it. Nice. So that's a contested spirit. I got a five. Six. Okay, that's a success. Are you trying to make him, it's not combat, but distracted or vulnerable? Distracted. (laughs) When you walk in, Cyril has a smarmy grin quirking one side of his mouth. And as you walk in and he sees Roth loom (laughs) behind you, it falters a little bit. And then when you look over with that raw hatred on your face, he blinks once or twice and shifts in his chair a little bit, straightens up. Darius is looking at Cyril and then back to you and then to Roth and then to you. Excuse me, Cyril. Could we have the room, please? He sits in silence for a second or two before slowly rising to his feet. He looks over and gives Darius a significant glance and then makes his way back towards the door, giving both you and Roth a wide berth. And as he starts to go through the door, Roth points a talon after him at the pacifiers and says, make sure he don't leave. And one of them smacks a hand on his shoulder. She walks over to her grandfather and puts a light hand on his arm. Sorry, I touched the crystal, but I've, I saw where the back door is that Zeev's siphoning everything from, and we need to close it off or we're probably not making it back out of those tunnels. Roth ensures that he is 
close enough to be privy to this conversation. Athena's not trying to hide it. It would be so much more suspicious if she did. Sure. As you begin speaking openly about this in front of Roth, Darius's eyes widen and you see a tremor go through him and he pales just a tad. He is not looking at Roth, pointedly only looks at you. She would continue. Because this guy, he had to train as a siphon to even work at the Shard. So maybe he just, he found something while he was there that enabled this. But it's dangerous and the knowledge needs to die with him. Because he's not coming out of those tunnels. He's nodding at this and he says, you touched the crystal. Yeah. What have you seen? A lot of yellow. When did it change color? I don't remember it being that color. I know it does that sometimes. It was after the mine collapsed several years ago. Makes sense. Purses his lips and nods. If I am permitted to return to the mines, I will do everything in my power to close it off. To shut the valve. Is there any way we could shape it over time so that it just feeds back into the main crystal and not, not as a branch? I know that's kind of an extended process, but we can't have that getting out. What are you talking about specifically? If the big crystal's like a tree and this Mm -hmm. is like a vein that's a root, trimming the root in a way that it cuts off from where it was going to feed back into other things. I see, okay. It could be possible, but the energies are quite volatile. It's difficult to say. It would take a concerted effort from many siphons, but perhaps... It could be done. She nods at that. She's having a hard time looking at him because she knows she did a a big old bad thing Mm -hmm. and she loves him. Sure. So she doesn't want to put him in pain, but she also doesn't want to beef it. Understandable. I'm going to roll a thing for Roth and I'm going to roll a thing for Darius. Okay. Blew up a 10. Four. Ooh, blew up a 10. Into a four. No shit. What? What does that mean, Pickle? Is it a stalemate? I don't believe him. You're lying, Darius. I know you're keeping something hidden. Darius's jaw clenches a little bit, and he looks from you to Roth for the first time. It's more of a fleeting glance. Mm-hmm. I don't know what can be done. I don't know that I'll be able to do anything before you have to go. Not even if you head over there right now. I will try. I mean, we're going to be wandering tunnels for quite a few hours, I would assume. So, you have time. He nods to you, straightens up a little bit, looks to Roth. Well, may I go and help? Roth just turns and starts walking back out of the chamber. Athena does give him a very quick hug. I'm sorry. I know you couldn't save those people before, but you can save all of these people right now. I can't do this alone. He hugs you back with that same sort of desperate passion. I only want to save you. There are some things that cannot be undone. I hope this is not one of them. Me too. Don't trust Cyril. I don't think you do, but... No. I do not. She whispers as she hugs him in the last couple seconds. I saw where it got hurt. It's so tired. 
he pulls back and is just looking at you now with tired, pained, gaunt eyes. I cannot do what you ask, and you do not know what is happening here. Tell mom and dad I love him. Gives him a kiss on the cheek and walks away. I hope I get the chance to. He'll follow you out. Roth is standing there holding Cyril by one arm, dangling him in the air, and he's talking to several other pacifiers who have appeared from the elevator. And he just says, You have your orders. Not one toe out of line. And then he snaps his fingers and jerks a thumb at Darius. The pacifiers move and form a square around him. And one of them says, Well, time to go, curator. And then he throws Cyril onto the ground and says, Put this one in a cell somewhere. I ain't done with him yet. Regulator Sedaris, you're with me. The rest of you carry on. The shot is behind Roth as he stomps back towards the elevator and the room around him darkens as he walks, tail slithering along the ground behind him as we watch his armor melt over him, and the scene refocuses back to the tunnel. Roth brings up the rear, the group's footsteps muffled by the thin coating of brine on the ground. The only other sound we hear are measured breaths taken through the filtration system of their helmets and the occasional drip of water that is too heavy to cling to the ceiling anymore. Athena creeps behind Nemo, and she just feels her arm ache. Every time she has to use Big Cory since her arm was cut off, it causes her some amount of pain under her bandages because her natural Cory circuit was disrupted, I think, by how the wound was cauterized closed, and the excess energy just tingles in place with no course to carry through. As you continue through this tunnel network, the noises become less faint, growing louder and louder. Every bend you take, the noise crispens in your ears, and the voices become more distinct. At this point, you can tell that they are panicked. There seems to be one voice carrying above the others, but they're all shouting maybe commands or orders or something to that effect. You still can't make it out. It's Roth who says, Wasting time. We don't know who they are yet. Athena wants to listen for another second, see what that main voice over everyone else sounds like, if they're familiar, if it sounds like Zeev. If you are going to pause here to listen, go ahead and make me a notice roll. And I'll say, for concrete information, it's going to be at a minus four. Okay. Damn. What'd you get? Seven. Seven minus four is three. Yeah. Ooh, that's close. Close. I'll say, you could tell it doesn't sound like Zeev. Okay. Tuka, can you go get a look? Really quick. Yeah, I'm on. She hunkers down behind Nemo, waiting, gritting her teeth. You see Tuka disappear around the bend. She's gone for probably a solid minute. You hear Tuka's voice echoing in your mind. It's a bunch of survivors. We gotta go now. They drop all stealthy pretenses. They just run. Dark shapes in the dark tunnel. As you exit the mouth of the cave you enter into a comparatively large cavern. A hundred yards or a hundred meters long, so like the size of a football field. The ceiling of the cavern is at least 50 feet above you. There are more quarry crystals here. Like so it's actually, a little easier to see. It's a little easier to see. There's some dim light all around. 
you can see on the right side of the cavern from where you're coming, there is a decent sized group of humanoids. A lot of them are against the wall or collapsed or slumped. A semicircle stands separate from the bulk of the group, maybe six to eight individuals forming a makeshift wall to block the two dozen or so behind them and are actively engaged in combat. They're fighting against a sizable horde of crustacean-like creatures. Behind the group on the right, you can see yet another tunnel. A thick wall of fog hangs just inside the entrance, separating this cavern from the next expanse. To your left, where all the creatures are bounding from, is a dark, open maw of a tunnel. There is no fog here. The creatures, leaping like a pod of dolphins across the cavern towards the group of survivors, are vaguely frog-shaped, with an extra set of pincers for grabbing. They're craggy crustaceans with armored, shell-like skin and bulbous eyes on thick stalks on top of their heads. And you note that all of their eyes are glowing a piercing yellow in the darkness. Among the wall of survivors, you see several Karnak and Yara smashing the creatures to pieces with their natural weaponry, and several others in shaded silhouettes casting energy against the oncoming tide of beasts. One figure standing in the middle of the line is launching objects at high velocity, smashing into the shells of the creatures as they approach. Every object they hurl is rimmed with a dull yellow-red glow. Standing just behind the line, you can barely make out the form of a Yara hoisting themselves into the air using their back legs, barking orders to the others. Athena says to Nemo, Can you toss me? Where do you want to go? Crabs. Without even waiting for more confirmation, you feel the coils of his hand wrap around your midsection. He steps forward ahead of the group, does a turning discus, and just throws you into the air where you had indicated. She wants to turn her bracer into a large lightning rod that upon landing she's going to jam into the ground and use it to focus the blast on these crabs but not the civilians, because she's very specifically said <laughs> crabs. Are you trying to go more into the middle of all of these crabs? Yeah. And you can definitely do that. You will need to spend PowerPoint to not hit yourself if you're centering yeah, the blast on yourself. That's not a problem. But yeah, go ahead and roll me that attack. I would love to. Oh, wow, that's so bad. To cast? Yeah. What'd you get? A one and a two. Oh, no. This has got to work or she's going to die. So... That's my last Benny. Oh, no, is it? Yeah. I didn't have a lot saved up this time because it's been so frantic. That's true. Here we go again. Oh, God, it doesn't work. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Athena, you spiral through the air. Your bracer turns into a solid lightning rod, which you slam down into the ground. Instead of burying it into the ground, you actually crack the shell of one of these creatures, and it lodges in there as you're trying to run the electricity through it. And it just diffuses it. Yeah, I think that's dramatically appropriate. Oh, fuck. So she's just on this crab now? They're not huge. They're probably the size of a large dog, each of them individually. Okay. But you're now in the middle of a swarm of these large dog frog Man, crabs. would have been so cool if it worked. Yeah. I would like to give Athena a Benny for literally having herself thrown into the <laughs> middle of this melee. 
Well, she wants to start conserving her PowerPoints because this isn't necessarily a swarm and there are individual things she can start just cracking skulls with. So Mm -hmm. I think she's going to be a melee girl for this. So she needs to get there quick. Sure. The hope was with an opener that would be inspiring for the survivors. Okay. But was not. Well, it was inspiring for me to see how badly it went. Yeah. Which is why I'm giving you a But you know what? No one else knows it went really badly. That's true. They just saw you dive into the middle. The electricity sparks and sizzles into that one creature, and most of the tide just pushes past you. But the ones that are still coming from your left do bear down on you. And I think that means they're just going to get a free strike at you. Sounds right. I'm going to use this group attack. They get a wild die for a group attack. One and a three. Bad. (gasps) I'm going to spend my GM Benny here to try to... Two and a two? What? Hmm. So, what's your parry? Parry is five. Okay, because you don't have your shield up right now. Yeah. All right, so you crush this one crab, and several more surge forward and are just leaping at you and trying to pin you down with their clamping pincers. How do you escape their grasp? She starts swinging around the crab that's still stuck on the lightning rod, and it just batters them away enough. Sure, I like Like, she's that. got it. Maybe she was watching Tuca practice at some point. Got it under one arm like a glaive. Ooh, you know that's what I mean? cool. Yeah, I like that a lot. That's really neat. Maybe Tuca will be impressed. Okay. I hope she saves me. <laughs> I think a dramatic task is probably appropriate for this. When you land in the crowd, I think there are a couple of surprised cries that go up. What is your next move after you manage to not get instantly eviscerated? She mentally screams for Tuca and she says, help! Uh, I think your entire group is going to rush in to aid you in this. You hear somebody from the front of the line say, reinforcements, we're saved! She turns while fending off crabs and just nods You're not for, sure for if a split they, second. You're not sure if they can see any of this. They might not be able There's to. dim light, but... Uh, I'd say that instead of being pitch dark, it's minus four. Okay. I forget what the terminology for that is, but minus four. A little four lighter. Penalty. So you can see normally in here, but most people, unless they're Karnik, Nakir, or Yara, are going to have harder time seeing. She asks Roth, I need eyes on that tunnel. I don't know what's coming out of there. Doesn't he do earth stuff? He can. Can he, like, sense anything going on? Let's make a notice for him. One out of four. Roth takes a clawed hand and slams it into the ground, and you see his talons bearing into the stone. He just says in your head, Whatever it is, it's big. Like a kaida big or smaller? I don't think it's a kaida, but I don't know. Keep me posted. So what's your next move? Hopefully Nemo shows up and just runs into this crowd of crabs. Let's just make this a dramatic task where it's going to be opposed successes. So that sounds right. A quick encounter. Quick encounter, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to ask for three separate rolls from your team. You can decide who's rolling what, and then I will contest that with crabs. Okay. I want Nemo, since he's at the front of the line, I assume he would be there first, to just bowl into them with shields and flinging arms. So it sounds like a fighting to me. Probably fighting. Okay. Go ahead and roll fighting. I'm going to give him a plus two to this because Nemo has the sweep edge. Oh, cool. So Nemo has two things. His arrow augmentation increases his reach by one. Okay, so that's the extendo arms. that's his extendo arms. And then he also has the sweep edge, which means you can make one fighting attack against all enemies within your range and you make one roll. So he can just kind of... Uh, What am I rolling? Fighting plus two. I don't know what his fighting is. Oh, right. That's what you (laughs) meant. That's what I was asking. 
I'll say he's got a D10 because this is what he does professionally. He doesn't have any special arcane backgrounds or anything. All he does is smash things. I hope he's good at it. Uh, he's four. Oof. Four good at it. Oh no. Blew up an eight into a one, so I got a nine. Oh, that's bad, huh? Yep. I don't know if I'm going to do better than that. He only has one Benny, right? Yeah. I feel like it would be helpful for him to hit these crabs, but that's a pretty substantial roll. I let, I'll, I'll let it stand. It's a success with a raise for me, because it's a nine versus a four, so I get two for that. I'll Benny this. Hope he doesn't have to soak sure. right now. Uh, come on, buddy. That's uh, uh, the exact same roll. Oh, boy. Okay. Natemo having just thrown you into the crowd, barrels forward, shields akimbo, spinning in every direction, slapping away these crabs, but the price is that he wades in next to you and starts getting swarmed by them as well. Mm. So he's bashing them back, but they're just covering him. What next? I would love for Tuka to help. Okay. By stealth attacking from wherever she's kind of see-through. Got a lot of weaponry. I don't know how fast she can swing it. That's But I know she can berserk. It's a, it's a quick encounter, so we don't really take combat and mm-hmm. stuff as directly there. I'm going to say because Tuka is attacking from stealth, instead of having it be an opposed skill roll, I would like for her to roll... Roll me a fighting. Let's see how she does. Would you like to roll her fighting with your new oh, Tuka dice? Oh, with my dice? new Tuka dice, sure. God, you're going to make this my fault, aren't you? <laughs> well, really, it'll be your fault because you commissioned these for me and for Tuka. Five... I'll let that stay against the target of four. Hmm. She's coming from stealth. Tuka whips out the handle of her quarry glaive, snaps it so that it telescopes out to its full length, ignites the dripping blue blade, and then spirals forward, swinging it in every direction, and you see parts of crabs go flying. What's your last roll going to be? It's going to be Athena because she's in the shit. I want to use her shape metal to spin her shield in very tight, very sharp circles. Like a fucking buzzsaw or something? Basically. That's that's pretty cool. (laughs) Okay, that's probably going to be an essence roll. You can control it by default, but I would like for you to make your essence roll. I'm bad. Yeah, it doesn't work. What did you get? A two and a three. Two and a three. Let's see how they do. They got a four, so they got a success. Puts them a net total of two successes above you. So here's the thing. I think it works. It just means that... It takes a little longer to get going. It takes longer or there's a price to pay here. So this means that you guys are all going to take a wound. Just can't soak it. You're just all going to take a wound. And that some of the crabs are going to continue breaking through the line and swarm over the survivors. Athena, as you and your compatriots wade into this mass and begin to push back, providing relief to the surviving line. The rumbling that was in the distance grows and builds until its undeniable approach has come. Oh boy. The ground beneath you trembles, and you can feel something about to emerge. Is there anything that you would like to do in this final moment? Where Where is Pavi? Pavi is in the process of moving from the tunnel that you guys exited from and going over towards the survivors. I'd like Athena to shape some earth and make a wall between the survivors and the direction of the vibration to block them from sight. Okay. This is more of an abstraction, which I'm cool with. So you're using your shape metal power, like from your Mm -hmm. superpowers, right? Yeah. Okay. 
but with my wizard. That's why it's a bit more of an abstraction, because those aren't really meant to work together, generally speaking. Before, you've had me roll for activation to see if it would work. Yeah, I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to say that in order to use wizard with this superpower, you have to roll your normal shape metal thing. Like, whatever we called it before you had the superpower, I'm going to make you activate that as a power and pay the wizard cost, and then we can roll it over to your superpower for the time being. Okay. Go ahead and do that. Just because that's a pretty powerful abstraction. Six. Six is a success, so I'll let you do that. And then under the matter control power, one of the things you can do is called barrier. If used as a cage or barrier, the material has a toughness of 10 plus an additional point per additional level of matter control, which doesn't apply here. It doesn't matter if the barrier is made of glass or feathers or stone. Its toughness is a reflection of the controller's power with it rather than material strength. Six. I do need to use this one Benny to get some more points. Are you out of power points? Fuck, really? Yeah. Are you out of Bentons again? I have one Benny. Okay. I got four points left. Okay. It's going to be great. So tell me what it looks like when you activate this ability. It would have been a lot easier for her to make a really nice wall if she still had two arms, but what she has to do now is she runs towards the group of survivors wading through crab bits and does a windmill motion with her one arm, and as she does it, it scoops Earth out in a divot to catty-corner them off. Not block them from, like, escape, but from sight. Like a liquid wave hardens. I think that's really cool. Are you putting up the wall in front of their battle line, or is it just the people that they are trying to protect? She'd try to get all of them hidden. Okay. Probably let one or two crabs in, but that's more doable. Wall goes up along with many cries of surprise, and that is your final act before the ground erupts. It's on what we had previously been calling the left side of the cavern, which is now in front of you, I presume if you're facing that direction. Yeah. There is no pause in the tide of these frog crabs. Do you want to make a roll to see if you know what these are called? (laughs) Sure. Common knowledge? Sure. Common knowledge. Minus two. No. Okay, never mind. Athena does not know what these are. She looks at them and ugh. There's an explosion of rock shrapnel that flies up and out in every direction, accompanied by a cloud of dust. Several of the small crab frogs go flying through the air, smashing off of the walls around the cavern as a dark shape emerges from the depths of the tunnels. Oh, what fresh hell is this? (laughs) It's a huge oblong body, two great clawed paws in the front, a snout that blooms into a mass of writhing tentacles that lash in the air and focus in the direction of warm bodies. Its skin looks like a gray-brown carapace, almost opaque. Thousands of great spines protrude from all sides of its body, some rigid and some moving with pliability and pulling it forward and up out of the hole. Its mouth is a circular orifice lined with chiseled rectangular teeth, and it makes a screeching, skittering noise as it appears. Tentacles flail and fan out into your general direction as though it's sniffing the air. From behind the fan of nose tentacles, you can see what were probably two beady black eyes, but are now glowing a bright yellow. Athena has a dumb and only thought, which is, being a Cassian's really dangerous. It's the <laughs> only thought her dumbass can formulate. You can go ahead and take a Benny for your moment of obvious insight. She just doesn't think about it too much, because she's doing a different dangerous job every it's day. It's true. Okay, I'm going to say that's initiative. I'm going to take it from Dramatic Task Town. 
Athena, six of spades. Your buddies, four of diamonds, big old monster, six of clubs. <gasps> I go first? Well, I'm not done drawing. No, but before it. Yes. <laughs> Thank God. Uh, survivors, nine of clubs, crabs, jack of spades. I'm going to treat crabs as a unit like I have in the past. Wounds dealt to the crab unit will be dealt like that. They are going to start with one wound just the way you guys are. Okay. Based on how the rolls had gone leading up to this. Crabs go first. They are going to move towards and attack the survivors more. Springing over the rock wall that you've created or scuttling, scuttling around it, perhaps. Will the wall slow them down at all? Probably, but some of them are already against the wall, basically. Right. So. I just didn't know if eventually it would help in some way. Oh, it, it'll help. Don't worry. You can't see anything, but you see some of them start to spring and skitter up the wall or else try to go around. But a bunch of them are now at the wall, moving past you. Next up are survivors. Let me make a roll behind the scenes for them. Okay. Okay. You hear more shouts and cries behind you as they push back against the crabs that are leaping over the wall. There are probably some flashes of light, sound, crunching, splintering carapace, squelching noises, the occasional cry of pain. Are the noises behind the wall skewing towards crab pain more heavily than at this citizen point, pain? Yes, at this point, okay. yes. Next up is Athena. You have the six of spades. Spades goes before clubs. Cool. She's going to do her best and try to skewer this thing. Size-wise, I will tell you out of character, this is a size five creature. Oh my gosh. Which means it is a large creature, so it's one category bigger than you. There is a differential of two for the scale modifier, which means you get a plus two when you're trying to affect it, and it gets a minus two when it's trying to affect you. Okay. Size-wise, it's about the size of a white rhino. Damn. So it's, it's a big, beefy thing, but it's not like a kaiju or anything like that. Or like a hippopotamus. A big hippopotamus. Like a double-sized hippopotamus. Jesus Christ. Its nose tentacles waving in the air, turning its head, passing it over the room, making this high-pitched keening noise. Okay. Athena is going to start running towards it with her shield up in front of her. She's going to try and shear off one of the stalactites on the roof and make a called shot for its head. Oh, that's fucking cool. Okay. Because it's got the force of the fall. Yeah. It's rock. And she can manipulate it with D10 or D12 strength. <laughs> Damn, that's cool. What did you get on your roll to activate? It was a six, so that's, it would be right. D10. So D10 strength. Actually, could I do it as not a called shot? Because I just did some math in my head. Sure. Okay, so not as a called shot, just to the mass. Okay, so you're just trying to pull a stalactite from the ceiling? Yeah. I feel like this would probably fall under an abstraction of the shape ability using matter control. You already have a thing and you're just trying to break it off. Mm -hmm. So roll me uh, strength with your d10 strength and I'll see how all this goes. Ooh, that's bad. How bad? Two and a one bad. Oh, geez. Okay. So I guess I need to spend a Benny, huh? Probably. Yeah. 11 minus, well, that's plus, so that's 13 minus one wound is 12. I was looking more for a strength to break the stalactite oh. off and bring it down. Gotcha. But I'm fine with that. So stalactite will go down, go ahead and roll every 10 feet of something falling is uh, a D6 one. plus one. Yep. 1D6 plus one fall damage. I really like this attack. This is yeah. a cool attack. So. <laughs> Thank you. I'll say that your very high roll to break it off will count as a hit with a raise. I'm counting it as a ranged attack, because the thing is so fucking big. 
Okay. Aw, oh, damn. Then I can't use my adventure card. Oh, no. Oh, no. That's what I was doing it for. Maybe I'll... What, what's your adventure card? It's Deadly Blow. Okay. Play to double the damage total of a successful melee attack. I was saving it for Zeev, but this might be even cooler. Okay. But if I, it's a ranged attack, I respect that, and I'll, I'll save this. I'll count it for that. I think it's appropriate, because you're kind of guiding it too, right? You have control over it. She's kind of thinking of it as a pointy shield right now. I'm fine with it. I think that's cool. Let's do it. The text is, ooh, that'll leave a mark. And what does it do again? Play to double the damage total of a successful melee attack. Damn, okay. Well, definitely would have gotten hit with a raise on its parry because of the size modifier of plus two. Would you roll a 12? 12. That would be a hit with a raise. So use your strength of the D10 for what you broke it off with. I'll use a D6 as the weapon damage of the object. A D6 for the raise. And then the creature itself isn't falling to take the falling damage. So I'm going to say add 2d6 plus 2 for the fall damage of the thing onto it. Okay, so I need you to remember the extra plus 2. But I am rolling five dice, so many more than usual. Yeah. Listen, she is scared shitless Uh, right now. Yeah, absolutely. This is completely a fear response. She would not be a good Cassian. 8, 10, 15, plus 2, 17. So double that's is 34. double is 34 damage. Do you want to use a Benny to re-roll your damage roll? Do you have any Bennies left? I have one Benny, but I don't want to die. So I'm going to keep that. Okay, so 34. All right, let me see here. Let's see how that goes. That'll be six wounds on this thing. Holy shit. That would one-shot it. So I feel obligated to try to soak you at should. least a little bit for dramatic purposes. Is that your GM Benny? I think I already spent my GM Benny earlier, but this thing's a wild card. Oh, okay. Spoiler alert. <laughs> it's a wild card and it has a D10 vigor. So here we go. Crit fail. Oh, yes. Double ones on How's the vigor. How does it feel? <laughs> Dead. That's <laughs> how it feels. Holy shit. Okay. Good thing this monster didn't have any cool abilities it could use or anything like that. Just to be clear, I'm cool with that, because that means Athena gets to live to fight another day. Because it would have eaten her with uh, its tombstone teeth. Bad things could have happened. And God. I can worry about you dying in the next fight. <laughs> God damn if it. there is a fight. <laughs> <laughs> Whew, well, I didn't even have to reroll that a, damage. This is a very Indiana Jones moment. Yep. <laughs> we just pull out a gun and just pull out a stalactite and fucking skewer it. You know what? She's got to have one of those eventually, yeah, right? Yeah, no, I, I Have like I ever it. one-shot a thing before that wasn't like a mook? Um, I don't think you've one-shot anything. You've gotten some big rolls on stuff before. All right, yeah, so I rolled a crit fail on my soak with that creature's one of its two bennies. Could so, I have something cool happen with Jinx regardless? Sure. I don't know what it would be. What do you think? What would be spectacular? Maybe it tries to rally and go up, but it just sinks the rock further into its body and then it just dies. I like that. Okay. So what does it look like when you break off this stalactite to bring down on the creature? Athena does a lot of moves when she's fighting that are circular based. She doesn't have a lot of mass, so she has to do momentum to get the force. Unlike Nemo, who appears to just be a brick shit house, who's also very fast. <laughs> we see her almost, what, what's that, like discus throwers? Do they take a hop before they throw it? Am I, what am I thinking of? Uh, shot put? Maybe I'm thinking about shot put. So combining a shot put and discus motion where she does a final hop and her arm shears in a circle and it knocks one of the stalactites off the ceiling and it falls in an arc that's far more devastating than she ever could have hoped. (laughs) Where does it hit it? 
as this creature is sniffing with its nose tentacles, spoiler alert, you know, it's, it's part mole, so really? it, has, <laughs> it has infravision and it can sense heat in the darkness and that's how it sees. Oh, thank God. So, Put up that wall. Exactly. That rock wall. Yeah, that was yeah, See, moments like that are really cool because I'm sitting here like, this could be really, really bad in a lot of ways because this thing could easily start grabbing and killing people. Mm -hmm. But then you put up the wall. This thing would not have even been able to see them. Very cool. Yeah. Did I give you a Benny for that? Because I should have. Well, I mean, I'll take well, one. I'm, okay, so I'm retroactively giving you a Benny for your cool idea that you didn't know would have such a huge impact <laughs> and ended up not having a huge impact because you still just one-shot it. Anyway. Well, I feel pretty good about that. <laughs> So this thing's sniffing around, trying to find creatures with its nose tentacles, and it fixates on you because you are the sole heat in front of it as Nemo's off to the side, and it starts pulling itself towards you with its sea urchin tendril legs. The bulk of its body is an oblong oval, mm -hmm. like a sea urchin, and it's got a front with its mole face and its mole hands, and it pushes itself up onto its haunches. It's about to bear down on you, and it starts going... And that's when the stalactite comes down and pierces through its head. You can see there is a flare in the yellow light as its eyes try to refocus on you. It takes another stuttering step forward, gouging into the earth with its claw trying to get closer to you before it shudders and then collapses into a heap. There's a splinter of bone as the stalactite impales its way into the creature's skull. Then a wash of red gore that begins to spill out into the cavern. At the last possible second, she puts up her shield to block most of the viscera from the initial entry, mm -hmm. but quickly puts it back down because she doesn't want to be caught off guard. Very nice. What do you want your buddies to do? I would like Nemo to keep fighting the crabs. What am I rolling? D10 fighting, and he's got reach. He can hit everyone in his range with one fighting attack, which thematically doesn't really do anything in an abstract type situation like this, but... Okay, he got an 11 with his wound factored in. Okay, cool. That'll definitely hit with a raise. Wonderful. His strength is a D10. He's hitting with shield, which is a D4. So D10 plus D4 plus D6 for the raise. 14. 14, damn, okay. That's another wound on these things. Nemo, several feet off to your left, you see him hunker down on himself, throw both of his shield arms outward in a wide arc and does almost a pirouette turn as he goes. The shield smashes through a line of the crabs, tossing them back as you hear their shells crack and splinter. Oh, so cool. It creates a definite gap in the tide that is coming towards you. That's good. Dang, what a round. What a round. Savage Worlds, baby. Athena, Queen of Hearts. Woo. Buddies, Six of Diamonds. Survivors, Jack of Diamonds. Crabs, Eight of Diamonds. So, Athena, you are up again. Athena's just going to run back towards the crabs. She got it. Sure. That's all. The, she, she took care of that thing. Yeah. She's feeling really good. <laughs> so how are you going after the crabs? Can she do a ground pound stomp and make stalagmites come up to skewer some from below? Sure. Go ahead and roll your essence as an attack. I'm going to treat it as a melee attack. So it'll be against their parry. Seven. Parry six. So that'll hit, but no raise. Use your d10 and then uh, d6 for the improvised weapon. Ten. Toughness is d8, which would be six, but they have a point of armor, so that'll deal one more wound because they're already shaken. Nice. So what does it look like when you do this? She has to be utilizing the momentum from running towards the big mole anemone, and she pivots to just funnel it right back the other way she came from. She's advancing on the group, and she jumps with a stomp like Magnitude Magnificent does. 
and the spikes go up almost like the back of a hedgehog from the ground, skewering crabs and bouncing some off. But I think there are some that are like shish kebabbed pretty well. Very cool. You get quite a few of them, and you notice that there is now a distinctly smaller number of them in this cavern than there were moments ago. If she has a choice, she's targeting ones that are closer to the wall she made, so the survivors can continue to survive. Sure, makes sense. Survivors are up next. Let's see how they do. Boop. Seven is good enough. (laughs) Just good enough. You hear some more sounds coming from the other side of the wall. More cracking shells, more skittering screeches, more cries of triumph. You look over to see the rest of your team, Pavi holding her own right at the edge of the wall, having snapped out her tonfa blades. Tuka still wading through them with her Cory halberd. Nice. Roth following suit with you, had stomped the ground to create a crag in the earth, swallowed some of them up. Teamwork makes the dream work, Pickle. That's the end of combat. We just get a short montage of you guys cleaning, cleaning, up, it up. <laughs> cleaning up the rest of these creatures, any that still remain, until finally there is silence in the cavern. Aside from people talking on the other side of the wall. (laughs) The silence is broken by one solitary. In the immediate aftermath of this battle, there is a figure that pulls themselves up onto the lip of the wall that you had created. The wall of stone and earth illuminated in the dim light of the quarry crystals in the cavern. Pulling herself up on top of the wall with her green vine-like legs is Naveen Roja still dressed in her casual wear from festival hours ago, torn and bloodied and dirtied, exhausted. In the dim light, we get a shot from Athena's point of view. If you're standing by the base of the wall, looking up at her, we just see her looking down at you, the soft green glow of her eyes and a weary expression on her face. You note that she has some sort of growth near her temples that stretch into her hair, and there's a soft yellow-green glow, sort of like veins, and there is this web that stretches from those temples like a veil over the top of her hair that's holding her hair down a little bit with that same faint yellow-green glow. And she sees you, jumps down off the wall, takes two steps forward, and throws her arms around you. Oh... Athena, she hugs her back and says, I didn't know you were a vegetarian. Because the last thing she said to her was veggies, huh? (laughs) And she felt very bad about that. Sure. She pulls back and blinks at you in surprise and then lets out one of those exhausted laughs when you don't even have the energy to filter your reactions to anything anymore. Right. It's good to see a friendly face. Well, we got a couple more. So let's group up. As you're in the middle of that statement, both of you are hit with the force of a small train as Pavi bounds her way from the end of the wall over to you and tackles you in a big hug. Athena allows herself to be crushed against Roja by Pavi and holds them both as close as she can before reaching out to the Inquisitor. Tired and relieved, send a rescue squad. We have survivors. Athena finally got one win. Just the one win. Well, just the one win. <laughs> no wins for forever. Yeah, that went uh, surprisingly well for her. 
Do you know what kind of music I'm putting on this one? Is it Crockett and Waveshaper? It is. Tell me more. I'd love to. Crockett you can find at Crockett80s on Twitter and Crockett.Bandcamp.com. And Waveshaper is at Waveshaper underscore SWE on Twitter and Waveshaper1.Bandcamp.com. Savage Worlds is owned by the Pinnacle Entertainment Group. And you can find them and their products at peginc.com. You can come and join our community of Discord patrons if you're so inclined. We got a nice little group, nice little cozy, fun times, buddy group. We get more people join all the time. It's really great. And we love meeting you guys and talking to you and answering questions and palling around and having a good time. What are some of our most popular chat channels have erupted over the last month or two? Uh, I like food, food, food. Food, food, food's a good one. Meme Town is an up and comer. (laughs) I, I like Show Me Your Pets. Show Me Your Pets. And you can find us at patreon.com slash RPG for you and me. I would like to thank two very special patrons. Do you know who they are? My gut and my heart tells me that it's Michael and it's Chase. Well, one of them is Michael and the other is it's Chase, but Chase. So Thank you, guys. Thanks to both of you guys. Thank you so much for being here with us and supporting us. It means a lot. And uh, we're excited for more stuff to come in the future. Stay tuned for the action-packed maybe series finale? Season finale, that's what I meant, sorry. For the... for the, <laughs> Giving my heart a w- flutter. <laughs> well, I mean, it kind of depends on how bad you beef it. Not sure when next episode's going to be up. Maybe it's a week, maybe it's two weeks. Just depends what the schedule is like. we got to finish our recording and get everything cleaned up together, and we want to make sure it's quality content for y'all, so... We will get it to you as soon as we are able. Probably have a season break after the next episode drops. Maybe have some stuff to do in the interim while we figure out where to go, depending on what Ali slash Athena does, because that can always change the trajectory of the future, and I'm always excited to see what happens. So (laughs) I hope you guys are as excited as I am, and we'll see you again soon. Oh, I'm putting outtakes after this one, so stick around. Enjoy. Enjoy. Bye, guys. Just trying to think of like a physical representation of a thing that could exist in the scene, but I'm blanking right now, so I'm not going to worry about it. Starts carving an apple. (laughs) (laughs) So cool. He eats it right off the knife. Athena has an idle fantasy about bringing a fan down to the tunnels to just blow away all the fog. (laughs) Could I have asked the green stuff about one more thing? Uh, I think she conjures up a. No, damn it. When you get out of the water, Roth is eyeing you pointedly. Me? (laughs) I didn't say anything. (laughs) But yeah. Let's go save everyone. I'll be right behind you. And I'll soak all the damage just for you. Don't get too far ahead of yourself. There are more sponges here than normal. I thought this was a private conversation. This is not a big barge. You should speak more quietly. Nemo gets his uh, shields up and says, um, There are the bugs. <laughs> <laughs> One of them picks you up and flies away. Well, damn it, I already said they're flightless. <laughs> Fuck. Fuck. That one's on you. Well, they're super strong. They start dragging you they're away. So, that would actually be terrifying. That would be so scary. Oh, God. They get wroth so she doesn't have to deal with any of her <laughs> consequences. <laughs> Wait for all this to blow over. Could you imagine if that was her stupid master plan, just hoping something eats him? Eats Roth. Something might. Hey, if you want to murder the Arbiter, I'm not going to tell you can't. It would be bugs that murdered the Arbiter. I think that's that's a character naming failure for me. Hmm? Roths. The Roths. Th- 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 th-
the Roths. Yeah, it's just hard for my mouth. So you gotta say it like a lizard, like Roths. <laughs> You've activated my crab card. <laughs> Good. A crabby mistake. Rubs her palm on her thigh really quick to get some friction going, and we see her on palm. Tuka's thigh. No, on her brow, own brow, thigh. Brow. This ain't really the time. <laughs> <laughs> Flattered and all, but I don't think it's gonna work. Regular katana-looking sword on her back. Does it have a ribbon on it? A ribbon? No, yeah, it doesn't. Have ribbon. A ribbon. Damn, did I draw it with a ribbon? I don't think did I you, did. I don't, I don't think you did. I gotta check now. One sec. I just think it looks pretty.